You're listening to Local Government Insights, a podcast for state and local governments. If you're looking to optimize operations, improve services for your constituents, and maximize revenue without raising taxes, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership, your source and insight for local government technology. My name is Brendan Middleton, and today we're going to be speaking with Mark Funkhauser from Funkhauser and Associates about the American Rescue Plan and key considerations for state and local governments as they navigate short and long-term priorities as funding becomes available. Hey, Mark, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Brendan. Happy to do it. Awesome. So for our listeners, Mark is the president of Funkhauser and Associates and is a municipal finance expert. He's the former mayor of Kansas City who has served as a government official, elected leader, and publisher of Governing Magazine. Mark is a trusted and credible advisor to government officials who is uniquely qualified to help them put their communities on the path to fiscal sustainability. A little bit further on Mark's background, a lot of acronyms behind his name. He's got a master's degree in social work from West Virginia University, uh, an MBA from Tennessee State University, and an interdisciplinary PhD in public administration and urban sociology from the University of Missouri at Kansas City. So Mark, I'd love to just dive right in here. Super relevant topic, super excited about this conversation we're about to have. Um, With the American Rescue Plan, state and local governments obviously are seeing immense opportunity to address some of the challenges they are facing brought on by the pandemic. Uh, Lots of questions are being asked. Uh, What's the best way to use funds? What funds are available? How do we ensure we're leveraging this unique opportunity with both not only short-term needs, but also long-term priorities in mind. So one of my first questions for you is really around the eligible uses that the U.S. Treasury announced uh, just a couple weeks ago on May 10th. The announcement really was a long-awaited clarification on how and where the funding can and will be used. There were lots of specifics um, that were addressed, but also some variety of general use cases that can be left up to, to interpretation, honestly. Could you walk us through those eligible use cases that that were released and and really give us a sense for your thoughts on the intent behind some of the areas that were addressed? Sure. So the the big buckets are, uh, you know, supporting public health expenditures, uh, addressing the negative consequences of the pandemic, uh, investing in water, sewer and broadband infrastructure and replacing lost public sector revenue. Uh, and providing premium pay for essential workers. Um, It's clear when you look at the interim final rules that they want the money spent. Uh, I was surprised when they specifically prohibited uh, governments from using it to at least part of it, a little of it, to replenish reserve funds. Uh, They want it on the street. They want it spent. The other thing uh, that's pretty clear is that they intend for it to um, be spent to address issues of social equity. Um, Unlike the CARES Act, they do allow you to replace lost revenue, but they're very specific about the rules uh, about that. Uh, And then finally, there are Performance reporting requirements, they're not clear yet what those are, but they clearly want to know the impact. Great. And I know you and I discussed some of the the different approaches on one of our our previous conversations, some of the different approaches that the funding can be used for and and certain strategies that 
should be considered when when planning these massive amounts of expenditures. So my next question would be, what should governments be taking a hard look at when determining their overall strategy for spending? Well, you, first of all, you, you want to address structural problems in your revenue and expenditure system if you can. So for example, if there are you know, investments that you can make that will more or less permanently reduce operating costs, that's a higher priority. Uh, if there are expenditures that you could make, say, in new tax software or something that allow you to be more efficient in collecting taxes and improve revenue, um, that's a good thing. So you want you want you have an opportunity here to make uh, semi-permanent changes, um, and and it's an opportunity also to be sort of transformative. Um, so you don't want to pass that up. Excellent. And, and when when talking about really the immense amount of not only dollars available, but but also the opportunity this plan has has provided so many jurisdictions across the country, I can't help but think of the old saying, to whom as much is given, much is expected. And specifically, I'd like to take a minute and, and discuss some of the reporting requirements. You, you alluded to them just a minute ago, but a lot is unclear. Um, I know we haven't seen very much specific guidance on this topic just yet, but we know they're coming. We know there will be strict performance requirements on spending really at all levels. And I think there's some intent behind that and some reasoning behind that. Would you talk a little further on what this means and how it compares historically to other government stimulus funding in recent past? Well, it's clear that they've learned lessons from, you know, uh, President Biden was there, you know, he was there during ARA. Um, and that was, uh, it took a long time. You know, the, it, 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 the, the recovery from the 2009 recession took almost 10 years for local governments. Jobs came back slowly. So he wants something that's quicker. Um, he wants something that's bigger. I, I think some of the disappointment that uh, he and uh, President Obama walked away from that, uh, they got all, all, the, all the downside politically, all the punishment and so forth, uh, and not enough of the upside. So uh, this thing, uh, the American Rescue Plan, is really big. It's designed to have a fairly big impact fairly quickly. Uh, they learned from the CARES Act to give. So the CARES Act was big. Uh, it was bigger than ARA. But again, it had a very short time fuse. Uh, by the time the money actually got out, you had probably less than a year to spend it. Uh, and there were, you, you, you had to directly relate it in some way to pandemic related costs. You couldn't replace lost revenue. Um, so they've looked at that and they've said, okay, we're going to give you more time, three years instead of one. We're going to allow you to replace lost revenue and we're going to give you a lot more money. This, this thing is orders of magnitude bigger than ARA and bigger than uh, the CARES Act. So there, you know, the other thing that really was exposed by the pandemic um, was, well, and then, and then the, the murder of George Floyd is the huge social inequities and, and their cost 
to society and to government. And so throughout this thing, um, they have really focused on social equity. So, so they want you to, they're giving you a lot of money. They're giving you more time and discretion to spend it. Uh, they want you to address systemic issues uh, within your community having to do with social equity, many of which build up over generations. Um, and they want you to report performance. They'd like to be able to see what the impact was. And I'm sure they're going to compare governments, you know, uh, you know, one city, one big city compared to another big city, who, who had the biggest impact so that folks can learn from each other. And I imagine there will be interim reporting. So as the thing is unfolding, you know, they're going to say, well, San Antonio is doing this uh, and Dallas is only doing that. And Greensboro, North Carolina has done something different. And here's what seems to be working. I would be really surprised if we didn't have a lot of interim reporting about how this thing is, is working. And that's another big important part of this is this whole idea of two tranches. You know, the, the first tranche, half the money right away. And then the second tranche much later. So they're they're looking to sort of, it's almost like quasi-experimental. They're looking mm -hmm. to see what happens, but they want to hold enough money back, uh, you know, in reserve, as it were, to be able to emphasize the things that are working right and step back from the things that aren't working as well. And, and almost, it seems as if potentially pivot to some degree within the two tranches to focus some of the dollars in specific areas based on the reporting that they're seeing have more of an impact than others. And I can imagine, you and I talked about this a little bit, that the, the time it's going to take to actually get some vi visual representation of what the impact actually has become and, and, and being had by the spending. Um, what's your thoughts on that? The the time, like I know you've got some experience in the the ARA Act and the CARES Act. Um, what from a time perspective? What what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, for example, we know it's a really good idea to do early childhood education and provide quality childcare, but the impact doesn't come for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and so when you look at something like that, there are you know what evaluation specialists call proxy measures. Things that, you know, I know with good reliability that if I do A and B uh, in the right way, in the right order, 10 years later, C will happen. And so part of it is to focus on those proxy measures, I think. Uh, but the other is, is to get the reaction of the people on, um, in the community. How are they reacting and what are they doing uh, in response to what's happening because the real, you know, we want to provoke private investment. We want to get individuals to do things differently than they're doing. So looking at that and, and seeing, you know, how community, you know, for example, affordable housing and housing is a huge issue. How does investment patterns change if we uh, change what we what we are spending the money on now. How do, how do investment patterns change later? That's one piece, but, but the other timing thing that is really interesting, and if I were a local government leader, I'd be paying real attention to this, is that I would, th there is almost certainly going to be a huge infrastructure package coming from the federal government. I mean, they're squabbling about how to pay for it. 
and the squabbling about the size. Is it only 900 and some billion or, or is it 2.3 trillion? We're talking a significant chunk of change either way. And I, I'm, I'm certain it's gonna happen. So I would want to make sure that I was positioned when the second tranche comes. I, I wouldn't have, for example, spent a whole lot of money on some aspect of infrastructure that I would have gotten money for in the second tranche. So I'm gonna be careful about that. That's interesting. Yeah, now that you bring it up, um, being careful about where you're spending the dollars in respect to infrastructure now, due to the fact that we're getting more, we're going to have some level, we don't know what level yet, but some level of funding in the near future for infrastructure. So that's that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in terms of getting this right, uh, it, honestly, it's ultimately going to come down to effective planning, obviously, and your strategy and your approach to where you're spending. But also, there's another component that I'd like to touch on is the communication aspect. Super important within organizations that there's effective internal and external communication, privately held companies, but also the public sector. Uh, can you give some advice for local governments on areas within their community they should prioritize when making these monumental decisions that ultimately will leave a legacy for generations to come? You're going to have to put a lot of effort into lots of different kinds of communication. Some of it's going to be, um, you know, using social media. Uh, you're going to have to look at different channels of communication. You're going to have to look at different geographic areas within the city, uh, different stakeholder groups, uh, landlorders, uh, small business owners, restaurant owners, all these kinds of different groups. Um, uh, it's going to be much, if you do this right, you're going to have to spend an awful lot of time and energy listening to folks, but then also disaggregating data so that you can see who is responding how in what way. You know, we've had sort of a quasi experiment with the vaccination stuff where who is, you know, who is getting vaccinated, who is not? What are the arguments that are persuasive? What are the arguments that are not? Uh, and so on and so on. So that sort of um, careful communication with a lot of effort across a lot of channels, but also uh, governments need to collaborate with each other. You know, if I'm Pittsburgh in the Allegheny County, Pittsburgh metropolitan area, there are a hundred and some other governments that are getting some amount of money. Uh, virtually everybody is getting something. Uh, there are what are called uh, uh, entitlement uh, governments that's down to 50,000 in population where you're getting a direct check from the feds. But then the smaller governments are getting a check, but it's filtered through the state government. And then of course the state itself is getting a huge amount of money. There are separate pots going to the transit agencies. There's a separate fund uh, for restaurants. And so you want to, you know, if I'm, again, hypothetically in Pittsburgh, I want to know what those other governments are doing. I want to know what Allegheny County is doing. I want to know what the state of Pennsylvania is doing. I want to know what the uh, transit authority is doing. And I want us to be talking together. Now, during the CARES Act, period, for lots of reasons, there was a real ramp up in regional communication. 
people uh, in government, city managers, county executives, and so on and so forth, uh, school district superintendents, they suddenly spent a lot more time talking to each other on, on, on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever. You need to carry that forward. Keep those relationships. Keep talking to those folks. See where it is that we can pool our money or coordinate our efforts strategically to have the maximum impact. And, and also connecting the dots between decision making and the benefits for the actual constituents that you're entitled to serve is super important and then reporting back on it um, when you're when you're making the proposition connect the decision that is being proposed to the benefits directly applied to the citizens and then also through the reporting and through the dissemination of of outcomes report back on that and it, it unifies the community and it brings everybody together in an intentional way which moves everyone forward together um, so I that's that's a really good point, Mark. So thanks for thanks for drawing attention to that. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, it's it's you certainly have a pulse on the market, Mark. Um, I know this is a super relevant topic, and I can't thank you enough for providing your thoughts and advice for government leaders across the nation as they navigate this opportunity. For for any of our listeners, though, I'd love to. A lot lots of questions have been coming in as we as we broadcast this coming out. But how can they get in touch with you if they have other questions? Uh, Mayorfunk.com. Uh, that's our website, uh, and uh, you know you can send me an email, mark at marifunk.com, and I really love listening to folks and talking to folks in local government. I do it every day. It's the source of inspiration for me. Excellent. Easy enough, marifunk.com. I uh, can't remember that one. Uh, <laughs> pretty easy. So for our listeners, thanks so much for joining us here on another episode of the Local Government Insights Podcast modernizing government leadership. Please stay tuned for more local government news and insights to come. We look forward to tracking this and providing some more content around this specific topic, but other areas of local and state government, um, identifying challenges and trends and solutions that government leaders are finding um, as they do their, do their daily work. So we look forward to having you join us next time. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Local Government Insights, modernizing government leadership. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.